It's the TEH podcast, episode number 125. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. How are things in Denver? Snowy today. Really? They're threatening us with snow, which of course has the entire Seattle area just panicked. But our, <laughs> our, weather, our weather people just love being able to, to say the word snow. Um, in reality, it'll be, if it happens at all, which is more, more likely not to happen than anything, uh, it'll just be a simple, a simple dusting. Yeah. Well, we're not getting too much here, but it is, I guess it's nice to actually see, you know, the sidewalks looking white. It is January. Why not? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So what we got on tap for today? Yes. We're a, spe- a very special episode on a very special episode of <laughs> DEH. Um, it's the all well, acronym episode, DEH about VPN. Yeah. VPN is a question, you know, I get at least once a week, somebody asking me about VPN, asking me to recommend a VPN or should they get a VPN or what is a VPN? And I'm sure you get the same thing. Absolutely. Um, and I thought it'd be useful to just spend some time really getting into it. Um, both of us, I would say, are security experts, lowercase s, lowercase e, uh, <laughs> as opposed to security experts, capital S, capital E, right. um, you know, somebody that actually, that's their profession, uh, security. So we know a lot about it. And we, if we put our two heads together, uh, I think we'd be really good at, uh, you know, kind of translating what the capital S, capital E security expert would uh, would know to um, to help people decide, like, is VPN something they need? What does it do? Uh, that kind of thing, you know. Right. Um, so I thought, uh, yeah. So just starting with a general short description, uh, there are several types of VPN. But what most people talk about, uh, you know, mean when they we talk about VPN is like the private kind of service where you pay some money, something per month or maybe annually to get a VPN service. Usually, you install something on your computer, and now you have a VPN. You can also have a corporate VPN. So it's something you don't pay for and your company installs on your corporate laptop or whatever. And you could also even have a private VPN. You know, if you're techie, you could actually create your own VPN either on a server or your own computer or using a piece of hardware you could buy. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, when people like you and me are asked about a VPN, they're talking about getting a service that now, you subscribe to. Now, one thing that to. is um, the case is right now with so many people working from home. Yes, um, that corporate VPN may not be as um, infrequent as we might think. In other words, there are a lot of people working from home. They might be on a VPN and not even realize it. Exactly. Which is, uh, I guess, I guess that's if you know that's your situation, then you don't need this podcast. <laughs> Actually, you do because there are definitely some side effects of uh, what oh, it means true. to what it means to be running all of your internet through your company's internet connection instead of your own. That's true. It, it will help to understand what you're going through. But as far as the decision process of whether you're not, whether or not you need it, uh, which one you should get, that's taken care of. You've got it already and you're going to use the one to give you. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, so what, so what a VPN is, it, well, it stands for virtual private network. And what it is, is you install a piece of software usually on your phone or your laptop or your tablet, and it belongs to a service. And then you turn it on and that seems to just work, right? And what it's actually doing is it's taking your communication with the internet 
whether it's in a web browser, whether it's your email client, whether it's an app that calls out to the internet for information or, or whatever. It's taking all of that network traffic and it's encrypting it before it leaves your computer or device. And then it's communicating directly with this VPN service, which is somewhere on the internet. So this company that you're paying money to. So it's an encrypted uh, you know, communication between you and this VPN server. Everything you do, every email you get, every web page you go to, everything you do on an app is encrypted between you and that server, meaning that the Wi-Fi router that you're on, whether it's the one at home or the one at a coffee shop or the one at school or work or whatever, that has no idea what's going on. It's just getting encrypted data and sending along. The internet service provider, like for instance, if you have a DSL connection at home or cable modem or you know whoever it is, they have no idea because they're just getting the data and it's encrypted and they have no idea what it's about. So you're protecting your data against the router you're using and the service you're using to connect to the internet. And then once it gets to this VPN service, like let's say it's called Gary's VPN, <laughs> um, <laughs> then Gary's VPN decrypts it, right? And it communicates with whatever it is you're doing, whether you're going to a website or asking the email server for, you know, to check if there's new email or whatever it's doing. So it's protecting you from your own router that you're using and your own uh, service that you're using, which may not be your own, especially if you're out, say, at a coffee shop. It's the coffee shop's Wi-Fi router and the coffee shop's internet service. Um, and that's what it's doing. And, and it provides that layer uh, to protect you in case that Wi-Fi router or that internet service has been compromised in some way. Exactly. Or maybe it's just evil to begin with. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so one of the one of the terms yeah. that I like to use um, that I think helps clarify a little bit about it is is called a tunnel, right? Yes, what you're, tunnel. What, yeah, you're you're basically creating a tunnel between yourself and the VPN services server, and instead of routing your traffic um, directly to your ISP and then out to whatever you're using, it all gets encrypted and tunneled over to this VPN service where it then hits the rest of the internet. Exactly. And, um, and it is you know, a way to protect yourself from your data being stolen. Let's say in, a, in the typical situation given out is you go to a coffee shop, that uh, Wi-Fi router there has been compromised. Maybe even the people at the coffee shop don't even know it has been, right? It's not their fault. They just, it's been compromised in some way and somebody's stealing data. Right. So they're looking at things that are coming across that uh, connection there. Anybody that comes in, connects to it, is checking their email, is looking at websites, that data is then being kind of stolen and then being mined for things that might be useful. If it sounds kind of like spycraft, it almost is. I mean, it's not yeah. as it's not like it's happening all over the place all the time. It happens. It, it can happen. Wi-Fi happen. happens to be particularly easy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, um, so it's something you want to, you know, you do want to protect against. I do want to mention that there are a couple of scenarios that are also, while they're not as common, they're also not as obvious as open Wi-Fi. We talk about open Wi-Fi a lot. Yeah. And VPN, of course, is uh, one of the things that I'm sure you and I both end up recommending to people who travel a lot, who use a lot of open Wi-Fi hotspots, but it's not limited to that. As a matter of fact, I was just in this morning updating an article on the internet connections in your 
hotel. So mm. let's say you're traveling, but let's say instead of using Wi-Fi, you've actually, you're using a wired connection provided by your hotel. The same thing applies, right? They yep. are your ISP. They are your internet service provider while you're staying at the hotel. They can see everything you do unless you then encrypt the entire connection to something past the hotel, to your VPN service. Um, that then hides uh, everything, again, from your hotel, uh, from somebody who is snooping on an open Wi-Fi, or the other scenario that happens actually in coffee shops as well, is uh, great. You've got to, you know, whatever, you, you've solved the Wi-Fi problem, but somebody actually literally hacks into the router or to the access point. They have physical access to this thing. Mm -hmm. um, the question that somebody was asking me about the hotel was that somebody uh, on the hotel staff was actually snooping uh, the internet traffic at the hotel and actually um, uh, scraping it for keywords. That's kind of icky, but that's the kind of stuff that a VPN protects you from. Right. And so far from our description and our, you know, uh, scenarios we presented, it sounds like a no brainer. Like you, sh everybody should have VPN all the time and you just, you can't live without it. However, here's the thing. There's another way to protect yourself. Uh, it's called SSL. Was it secure socket layer? Is yes. that what SSL? Yeah. And what SSL does is it encrypts data from your computer or device all the way to the service that you're trying to contact. It could be the web server. It could be you know your bank. It could be you know an apps server that's doing something like an email server, that kind of thing. So a complete thing, not just to this service that you've bought, Gary's VPN or whatever, but all the way to the other end. That's what SSL does. Now, SSL isn't something you have to get. It's something that is established by the service itself, the website, for instance. And you are now using it most of the time. All right. you need to do is look at the URL of the website you're going to if you're browsing the web. If it says HTTPS, the S stands for, I believe, SSL. It's like an abbreviation of an abbreviation. Either that or secure. And I secure, think it's HTTP yeah. secure. Secure. So if you see HTTPS, then you are encrypted from your computer all the way through the internet to the service that you are getting you know, information from. The If you see HTTP without the S, then you're not. Now, 10 years ago, it would have been very common most of the time to see HTTP and then occasionally a few places like if you were buying something from a website, it might switch to HTTPS. Through the efforts of lots of big tech companies, Google, uh, <laughs> Google and Apple and Microsoft and I you know, also the credit card companies and everybody, um, basically the entire internet has switched. Um, you, if you were just an internet user, you didn't feel anything. Uh, if you were somebody like us that actually runs websites, you actually did feel some pain as this was done. There was, was a little done. bit of pain there, yeah. A little bit of pain. But nowadays, it would be so rare to go to a website that isn't HTTPS. And especially if it's something you log into or do a transaction, it's almost unheard of in 2021 that no. it's not HTTPS. One, the reason I mentioned Google right away, I actually, mm. I want to say, I want to blame them and or uh, thank them because <laughs> I, I believe that they're the primary motivator behind this. And it was a very simple thing. Um, all they said at one point a few years ago was that an HTTPS connection 
was one of the supposedly 200 factors that ranks, you know, that, that affects how high you rank in the Google search results. And of course, everybody heard that and immediately started piling on to HTTPS yes. for just about everything. Um, your site, my site, when you visit our sites, um, you, at least for Ask Leo, if you try to go to HTTP askleo.com, you will be redirected to HTTPS askleo.com mm -hmm. and that conversation will be encrypted. Whether or not it needs to be, it just is. Because, um, you know, I want that little 200 amount of, of Google search yeah. engine ranking. Um, and so does everybody else. Yep, it's the same thing for me. I mean, there is, at my main site, at macmost.com, there is no way for anybody else to actually log in except me. <laughs> um, and yet I had to switch to HTTPS because, you know, I, I did, it was kind of the carrot, not the stick kind of thing. Yes. Right. Google gave us a carrot to go and follow to the HTTPS world instead of a <laughs> stick saying you, you're going to be banned from Google or something. So now, to be clear, there, there were other efforts as well. I think it mm -hmm. was the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yeah. Um, they sponsored or created something called Let's Encrypt. Mm -hmm. Normally, encryption for HTTPS used to be very expensive. Right. Uh, in addition to being complex to set up, you had to actually purchase an HTTPS certificate from a certificate issuing authority. And that could cost you sometimes a couple hundred bucks a year. Um, as it turns out, uh, that was a barrier for some. And what Let's Encrypt does is it lets you uh, basically set up encrypted websites for free. So as it turns out, while I believe I'm still paying for a certificate for askleo.com, all of the other sites that I happen to have running, I've just got that free thing turned on and it's handled magically by my server and everything's encrypted uh, without my having to really do much of anything else. Right. And what it did was it brought the market price for uh, encrypting your website down so far that it enabled uh, the... Uh, internet service providers for for you know the web service providers the people mm -hmm. that we go to to set up our websites right. it enabled them to basically roll that into the packages yes. instead of saying this is a twenty five dollar a year add on or something um, they eventually uh, most of them I think now just say well That's just one of the things you get there are still hosts that last I checked uh, will give you HTTPS if you will pay them for it um, which annoys me no end because I know that they're using the same technology that you and I are using um, that actually has it built in for free. Yeah. Well, anyway, the, uh, so with HTTPS, it seems now that we've reversed what we originally said. We said, you know, oh, hey, VPN is a way to keep yourself secure. HTTPS is another way to keep yourself secure. That's not your thing. That's on the services side. And you don't have to do anything to use it. You're already using it. So now, it seems that we've gone the other way and uh, are saying, hey, it's a no-brainer. You don't need a VPN. But there is one thing that a VPN does that the uh, you just using HTTPS does not. When you are encrypting with a VPN, all of your data from your computer or device is going all the way to the VPN service. And the Wi-Fi and the ISP in between have no idea what it is. However, when you're using HTTPS, it's going from you all the way to the actual thing, Google, Facebook, Amazon, whatever it is. So it's addressed. Your 
a Wi-Fi router and your ISP know where things are going, know who's talking to who. You are now shopping at Amazon. They know that. They don't know that if you're doing a VPN. They do know that if you're doing HTTPS. Now, is that something to be concerned about? Well, not nearly as much as having all your data <laughs> available, right? right? I mean, you know, you're protecting your your I, your ID, your credit cards, your you know, all that stuff, the messages you're sending back and forth. That's all protected in HTTPS. It's just where it's going is not. And if you're somebody that just checks your email, shops at Amazon, you know, does you know checks a few just normal places, you may not care. Um, but there if are, you're other, still, on the other hand, some people do. Yep, there are still a couple of scenarios that um, again are rare, but um, factor into this as well. The most obvious way that your ISP knows what sites you're visiting is that you had to look up, your computer had to do a lookup of the IP address for the domain that you mm -hmm. want to go to. So it can then contact that domain and say, hey, do you want to do this HTTPS? That lookup, translating askleo.com into an IP address or google.com into an IP address is generally a service provided by your ISP. That's one of the ways they figure out who it is you're talking to. They'll never know what it is you say when it's on HTTPS, but they'll at least know who you're saying it to. There is uh, a scenario that a VPN also protects you from, and that is if the DNS servers on your ISP or maybe even your router get compromised. In mm. other words, rather than sending you to the real google.com, the DNS has been tampered with so that it's sending you to something else, some scammer.com. Uh, then, uh, you know, that lookup, which happens outside of HTTPS, although there is now a secure version of it, um, could potentially be compromised. A fully functional VPN will not do that. Your, your DNS requests will also go through the VPN. Um, mm -hmm. And that actually is one of the other very important differences. When you talk about HTTPS, you're only talking about web pages, the pages you visit in your web browser. Many people are doing much more than just that. We hope that the apps we have installed that are communicating out on the internet are using an HTTPS or SSL certificate or SSL connection, but we don't know. We have no way to um, easily at any rate, we have no way to confirm that, for example, say Dropbox is connecting to its servers using a secure connection. Now, obviously Dropbox is going to, but as a general rule, we just don't know and we have no way to confirm it. VPN will actually take all of your internet traffic, be it web traffic, app traffic, whatever traffic, and run it through the VPN service encrypted. So not only does your ISP not know to whom it is you're connecting, they also don't know what services you might be using. They're not, they don't, they can't see that you're using Dropbox where they might in the, in the other case, they can't see that you're using OneDrive where in the other case they might. Um, so that's something else that I think factors into a lot of people's decisions about whether or not they should be using a VPN. Hmm, interesting. So, so the idea is that you could, for instance, go to Facebook. Let's say you're at a, a coffee shop. You open your browser, just to make things simple. Let's say it's just a regular web browser. You go to facebook.com mm -hmm. and it shows up and it looks just like facebook.com and it mm -hmm. asks you for your ID and your password. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, it, it's identical, identical to the Facebook page. But what's happened actually is the compromised Wi-Fi router in that coffee shop has said, oh, by the way, Facebook.com is at this IP address. And that's not Facebook.com. What's at that fake IP address is a server that's saying, oh yeah, put this web page up there. And then you fill in the log, the login, ID and password. And it doesn't matter what happens past that point. Yep. <laughs> because they now have your password. Yep. You just um, handed it over. They could just give you an error message, or I, you know, they could do something clever, like actually then say, Oh, and here's the real Facebook site, which you're probably logged into already. So then it looks normal. Or maybe you just think, Oh, I didn't enter my password incorrectly because it's asking me again. Right. Um, and then now they've captured your password. So how common is that? Because that definitely does seem like something you would want to you, you know, protect against using a VPN. It's certainly not terribly common, but we do hear about it. It does show up from time to time. One of the things that is unfortunate is that um, a lot of routers that are in place, and this is true even for corporations, uh, have not gotten the same level of security attention that, say, our PCs or our Macs have. Um, you know, we talk often about update the software, take the OS update, make sure everything's up to date, yada, yada, yada. But we're not doing that for routers. And a lot of routers that are out there, a lot of access points that are out there are quite old. They have default passwords that everybody knows. It's very easy to get into them should a hacker want to. So that actually turns out to be one of the, theoretically at least, um, easier ways for a hacker to gain entry into a system that is otherwise very well protected. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the, the two threats. If you compare the two threats, one is a compromised, uh, say, a compromised Wi-Fi router. Somebody compromises it and then gets a bunch of data that could be mined. It's just it's the local thing. It's happening right there at that coffee shop or whatever, where somebody's compromised a whole bunch of these and they're just mm -hmm. getting all this data they could mine. Um, the other one, they're compromising it, sending you to the wrong website, one mm -hmm. that just looks like it, and now they also have to set up that website. Like there's another layer to it. You've got to, you know, uh, put put a lot more effort into actually creating that trap than well, you do the they, first one. They've been doing that for a while already. I mean, a lot of phishing attempts are exactly that, right? They have you click on a link that if you actually take a look at the destination of the link, it doesn't go where you think it goes. It just goes to something that looks a lot like right. Facebook or PayPal or Google or whatever. The difference here is that you could actually look as much as you want at the URL at the top of your browser. Yep. It will say facebook.com. Yep. And it's not like it's going to say facebook. you know xyz123.com and you're like aha, you know. No, it's going to say facebook.com and you just won't know that you're at the wrong site. Exactly. Exactly. Mm, that's, that's that's scary. It is scary. Like I said, it's hope, hopefully we're all updating our routers regularly and, and we're being you know somewhat uh, safe about what we do. But that is one that's very difficult for the average consumer to detect. Right. Now, there are some downsides to a VPN that I want to yes. point out. The first is just a minor thing. It does cost money, right? It's you not know? minor for some. I've, I've, yeah. I definitely, every time I talk about VPNs on the... Uh, um, on my site, I definitely get pushback that says, you know, it's something else I have to subscribe to, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. um, and indeed, if you are going to use a VPN, you want to pay for it. The free VPNs are um, have other issues, basically the issues we're about to talk to magnified. Uh, 
and uh, they've also been known to data mine. So they'll actually make their money by protecting you kind of, but at the same time, taking some of the information that you're providing them um, and reselling that. Right. Um, the other issue is speed. Now, sometimes that may be negligible, right? You don't even notice, but it is a longer path. You know, mm -hmm. if you're going to a website or getting your email, um, it's a little bit of a longer path. There's more to be done to get the information uh, to the server and then back to you. So depending upon the situation, you may or may not, it may or may not slow things down. Um, may be even more of a concern when you're talking about streaming. I always like think about all oh, people that use VPNs all the time and then they're watching Netflix. <laughs> right. You know, that's a lot of data being encrypted and decrypted, you know, on the fly. Uh, and you're trying also to watch like 4K HD Netflix or whatever. Um, but, you know, speed could be an issue for some people. Um, there's it's also... Worth, it's worth mm -hmm. noting that when you're using a VPN, when you go to an HTTPS site, mm -hmm. your data is being doubly encrypted. Yeah. It's going to be encrypted uh, by the HTTPS connection, and then the result gets encrypted by the VPN before it goes out over the wire. Yep. Um, now this is a, this other downside has been the biggest downside for me over the years using VPN. Mm -hmm. It's that it is very problematic. Okay. <laughs> I, I get at home where I have a fantastic connection, right? I can turn the VPN on to test it and it's great. I know I don't even notice the slowdown in speed. It goes on and it works solid as a rock. I could even forget it's on and accidentally leave it on for days before I turn it off. Um, and it's great. That all seems to fall down whenever I leave my front door. <laughs> um, I, I usually get to a hotel, right? Or a hotel or an Airbnb or something. You know, remember when we used to travel? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, you know, and get there. And this is like, ah, this is exactly why I have a VPN for this situation. I don't know this router. I don't know this service, whatever. So I turn the VPN on and it, sometimes it's very slow. Connecting and disconnecting seems to just be a big issue. I think a lot of times... Uh, poorly deployed Wi-Fi is the problem. It's the kind of thing where the Wi-Fi keeps dropping and then reconnecting all the time, which right. if you're not on a VPN, you may just, you know, you may be, you may load up a web page and be reading that web page. And then the Wi-Fi connection drops and then comes back while you're reading. And right. then you click on a link and you don't even notice, right? But a VPN is going to lose its connection to the private server that you're connected to. And it's going to have to reestablish that connection again. So instead of being down for maybe a second or 10 seconds, you're now down for a minute while it's trying to reconnect over the Wi-Fi. It just seems to happen to me more often than not. And it also is like the worst time to happen because That's if you're you traveling, yep. you, you don't, you know, my goal is, hey, I'm not supposed to be working. I'm on vacation with my family, but I will take 15 minutes while somebody else is in the shower or whatever to check my email and stay in touch with what's going on. Well, if, in 15 minutes, if I get through three emails because you know the Wi-Fi keeps dropping out and I'm trying to use a VPN and all that, it's frustrating and not very productive. I'm thinking, boy, at home, I could have definitely done everything I need to do in 15 minutes. But here, it, I'm moving slow as molasses um, because of spotty Wi-Fi and a VPN. And then a lot of times I end up just dropping the VPN and saying this, look, I'm using HTTPS. I'm only getting my own email and going to my own server. I know I'm, you know, relatively safe here. Yep. And so I just drop it. I don't, don't even use it. 
that's a problem. And I hear from a lot of other people that that happens. Uh, does that happen to you? It does. It does. And I find myself in the same situation. Um, when I used to sit in the corner at Starbucks, I would, you know, do random things. And um, yeah, it's 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 very frustrating when you you try and be a good citizen, you try and do the right thing, you try and turn on your security, you turn on your VPN, and all of a sudden what you're trying to do just isn't going to work. Um, and I have, in fact, fallen back to what I, I don't want to necessarily say I advise people not to do, what I advise people not to do um, without thinking about it. And that is, I've done my online banking uh, without a VPN from Starbucks. And it's not something that concerns me a lot because a, it's a Starbucks I've been to a lot. I know that what their what their network is, kind of, sort of. Um, the, the risk is really low. And ultimately, all they're going to find out is that, um, you know, I went to this bank. Um, yeah. You know, the chances of them actually having a hacked router, for example, are pretty low. Well, but, and a hacked router is much more likely to be doing like Facebook or eBay. Yes. Or something, some huge website. It wouldn't pay for them to go and target a single bank or Correct. like, you know, Ask Leo or Mac Most. They're not right. going to go and try to recreate right. those as fake websites. The ones they'll probably try and leverage are things like Gmail or Outlook.com because once you get somebody's email yep. account, then you can start running around doing password resets and all the other accounts that they happen to have access to. Mm. Good point. Good point. Um, so yeah, that is something that that definitely happens to me from time to time. Um, and it, I agree, it is very frustrating. I'm sure we'll talk before the end of this discussion about exactly which VPN services you and I happen to use. Yes. But this is definitely one of the scenarios that I think factors into a lot of VPN evaluations. How stable are they? Because it's not always the Wi-Fi. Um, and how fast are they? when they insert themselves into the middle of your otherwise um, direct conversations. Right. Another downside uh, is sometimes you go to a website or service and it won't work at all. And this is because sometimes people use VPNs for something else. Uh, what they sometimes use them for is to pretend to be somewhere they're not. When you usually one of these services, when you use it, it gives you a choice of locations. Right. And for instance, you know, the one I'm using allows me to cho choose Denver, Colorado as my location. Hey, that's where I am. Hey, it makes complete sense. Why would I, you know, why would I want to go further away right. than communicating with a server that's here in Denver and then, you know, having my VPN that way? Well, one reason I might want to do that uh, is perhaps I want to watch a TV show on a service and the TV show isn't available in the United States, but it is available in Canada. I could go and tell the VPN service that I want to use a router in Toronto. Now, when I go to websites, it appears like I'm a computer in Toronto, at least just by looking at the IP addresses and stuff. Um, so I could sometimes, you know, some people use that to trick services to, to show that they're somewhere else. Now, sometimes this can be useful. For instance, um, you can go and uh, if you know that a web server or services in California, and you're having trouble getting through to it for some reason, uh, you could say, hey, I want to tell my VPN to take me straight to California. In other words, tunnel to California, right? I'm using the mm -hmm. VPN server there. And then maybe, hey, I have a better connection. Look, it's faster. So maybe I would do that occasionally. Um, there was an issue with an Apple update last year where Apple updates in the United States went down for a few hours. and they were up all around the world and people reported that if they 
tunneled through the VPN <laughs> to Australia or Germany or England, they were actually able to get the update just fine. That's fine. Because um, they were basically, you know, if you think of that tunnel metaphor, it is like your connection is tunneling down through the earth, appearing there. And then, of course, if it's in Australia, it's going to be like, oh, you want to access something on Apple servers? Well, we have a local copy here in Australia, and then you might get a better connection. But most of the time, people are doing this to get TV programs that they shouldn't be allowed to get in their local area. It, uh, it's interesting because um, the, even the phrase be allowed to get is, is probably controversial enough. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, because the, the time I've done this most recently, mm -hmm. uh, it goes back, I think, a year or so, is I used my VPN to um, make it look like I was in the Netherlands. Not mm -hmm. surprising since my relatives are there and that's that sort of thing. And what we were trying to do, I'm trying to remember what the live event was. There was some kind of a live swimming event that my cousin was suggesting I watch. And it was not available if you were coming out of the United States. It just wasn't something that they were prepared to, uh, to do. And uh, so I said, let's give this a try. See if it works. And I tunneled to the Netherlands. Uh, and sure enough, uh, the, it was actually impressive in that the video actually streamed fairly solidly for some time. It was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Now, is there a legal issue there? Probably. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what the rules are for things like uh, what in the, in the Netherlands would be public TV being broadcast outside of their country. The place where people use it the most uh, would uh, there are two scenarios? One is the Netflix and other streaming services scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, they have their content geofenced. In other words, there's content that is available only in the United States. So if you're somewhere else and you get a VPN that makes it look like you're in the United States, you may be able to watch something you're not supposed to be able to watch for whatever those reasons might be. The other scenario, and this is another one that I tried and failed with some time ago, um, is that occasionally especially for programs that are imports here in the United States, uh, they sometimes are run earlier in the foreign country than they are here in the United States. Sometimes it's a matter of hours, sometimes it's a few days, and in some cases it's a few months earlier. Um, the example that I was trying <laughs> to do this with was, of course, Doctor Who. Doctor mm. Who airs, I think, a couple of days earlier um, in the UK, on BBC <laughs> than it does yeah. here in the United States on BBC America. And I said, okay, fine, I'll give that a try. I'll tunnel to the UK and see what happens. And what I'm sure you're about to mention happened to me. They yeah. said, no, you're coming in on a VPN. That's not exactly. nice. Don't do that. Like, and the way they know that is really interesting because what a lot of people don't realize is there's a, there were really two layers to VPN services. There's the brand name that you see, like I suggested something that doesn't exist, Gary's VPN. That domain's available, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, probably won't be after this. <laughs> Just show, so but you know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, everybody's welcome to it. Any other Gary who wants it, believe me, I don't want to start a VPN service. But there's that brand name there. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that Gary's VPN owns any servers anywhere. Right. <laughs> um, there's another layer of virtual private servers that these brands can then pay for access to. So, uh, you know, and I'm sure they're various different ones for various different services. I don't know that world. And I'm sure some of these VPNs may have their own, right? Mm -hmm. They might be, some of them might be complete white labels, you know, putting, uh, you know, getting 
VPN servers and not actually having some of their own. Some may have their own and actually be the services that also kind of lease them out to other people. Mm -hmm. But it means that basically uh, under Gary's VPN and Leo's VPN and all this, these other VPN companies that you hear of and pay money to, underneath that, there are server companies, you know, A, B, C, D, and E that offer VPN services that companies can come and purchase. Um, these all existed servers and they have IP addresses and there's probably hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of those, but a finite number of those. Right. And basically they get thrown into a blacklist um, and updated probably on a regular basis. And then a big company like a Netflix or you know uh, a big sports network or something like that that has a problem with this can basically uh, access the blacklist. And if you're coming in on a VPN, say, nope, we don't accept VPN connections. Yep. Um, and it becomes so easy that some companies that may, you may not expect may actually just throw that into their security. Say, you know what, it will, just to be safe, let's make it so you can't use a VPN with our service. Um, so occasionally you run across that and that's how it's that's how it's done. That's how they know you're on a VPN. I also should note that even if you go and say, oh yeah, I'm, I, I live in Canada, but I'm going to sign up for Netflix and do it through a VPN to the United States to make it look like I'm in the United States, it may still not work because there are a lot of other things right. that actually go into, you know, they, they don't look at that and say, oh, the IP address checks out, thumbs up. They'll look at, you know, their apples send, a you know, geolocation information, GPS information. There'll be language settings, all sorts of things that they will add to the puzzle to figure out where you're really located. So you may find out that, boy, I thought I had them foiled with my VPN plan and they still know that I'm in Canada. <laughs> One of the, yeah. uh, the other scenarios is some services will work across a VPN, VPN mm -hmm. but they will be, how should I put this? A little bit more paranoid. Mm -hmm. um, a good example is uh, domaintools.com. And the reason I mentioned them is because one of the things I often do when I'm running my VPN is I take a look, okay, great. What IP address did I get? And where is it really? Which is also how I find out that, you know, Leo's VPN is actually leasing their servers from, oh, this company over in New York or whatever. Um, but I then take that IP address and I run it over to domain tools and see what the reverse DNS is on it, see who owns that IP address. Domain tools, if you're coming in on a VPN, will throw an annoying number of CAPTCHAs at you before it answers your question. Interesting. Um, so they're actually protecting themselves from abuse because, of course, I don't want to say bad guys, but there are, call them either malicious or less than good um, players out there that are using VPNs often to hide themselves and abuse some of the other systems. So in this case, rather than just denying the request, because it's actually a very valid thing to want to do when you're using a VPN, they just set up a couple of additional hoops you have to jump through to make sure that either you're annoyed and you really, really want the information and B, of course, that you're not a bot. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, now, I, I, I do want to get to, I, I you know, kind of want to wrap this up with the whole like, should you be getting a VPN? But before we get to that, uh, there are some other types of security things that people confuse a lot with All VPNs. the time. Yes, that have nothing to do with VPNs, except that they're kind of security privacy related. 
Um, you brought up, uh, for instance, incognito or private browsing mode. Incognito and in private mode in the various browsers. Yeah, that has nothing to do with your with the connection off the computer. Incognito yep. and in private only make some decisions, make some changes to what happens on your machine. And all that really boils down to is it doesn't save any history. That's it. Or cookies, yeah. Well, cookies, I mean, cookies, if you consider all the traces that are left on your machine, yeah. be it cookies and history and, and caches and all that kind of stuff, that's all that in private does. It doesn't right. protect anything. It doesn't change nope. anything about how your information interacts with the rest of the internet. Right. And the other thing is, is that using a VPN does not protect you from malware in any way. Um, you could still go to a site that has a piece of malware on it, click on it to download it, go through all of the roadblocks that your operating system is going to throw up saying, are you sure you want to install this? <laughs> Maybe it, tell me your password first, just to, so you have a moment to think about it. Um, all that stuff still works if you're on a VPN. VPN does not protect you from malware right. in any way. Right. So, so you should be wary about that. It's not some sort of blanket shield against things. It is something very specific. It's also not protection, additional protection for your privacy, really. Yeah. And by that, I mean, um, sure, you know, the coffee shop's not going to know where you're going or what you're doing, but the places you interact with sure will. Mm -hmm. They know who you are, right? They're going to know, like, especially the sites that you log into, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things I've, I've uh, a topic for another day would be Tor. But um, a lot of people look to VPNs or, or this kind of technology for anonymity. And then they go and log into a site, which completely throws away all of their anonymity, right? That identifies them. So that's something else to be aware of. It's not protecting you from the information that you or your computer are explicitly providing to the sites you interact with. It's yep. only protecting the path between the two. Yep. Facebook, you're logged into Facebook. Facebook still knows that it's you and what you're looking at. <laughs> if the being behind a VPN is of no concern to Facebook right. at all. Right. So there's that. Uh, yep. And especially, you know, the way that they use their quote unquote pixel on other sites to, uh, to track which sites you visited, perhaps which ads you've seen or not, mm -hmm. that all still works. There's nothing preventing that from working uh, whether when you're using a VPN. Yeah. VPN is not concerned with those kinds of things. Um, so getting to kind of a, a conclusion, I want to start off with, with kind of tiers here. When you're at home using your own Wi-Fi router, your own ISP that you pay money to, should you be using a VPN as well? Nope. Right? I, I completely agree. There, that's your equipment. You should not be vulnerable to any of those attacks. Obviously, you need to have all your software up to date on your machine and all that. But you know, if it's not, having a VPN isn't going to help you anyway. You've got bigger problems. Right. Um, there is one caveat that I'll throw out to that nope because I, I just yeah. don't believe in absolute answers. Um, <laughs> if if you if you are doing something explicitly, how do I want to put this? Well, obviously, if you're a criminal, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're going to want to be hiding what you're doing. But if you're doing something that you feel is exceptionally sensitive, like if you're if if you're working on the nuclear launch codes from home, use a VPN. That part's yes. easy, right? If 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 there's something that requires that additional level of security, not by the nature of where you are or what your equipment looks like, by the but the nature of the job that you're doing and the information you're exchanging. Um, that might be a case for occasionally being able to use a VPN at home. Yeah, a lot of times when people ask me about pretty extreme security measures, mm -hmm. I usually say, look, if you're 
if you're a board member for a Fortune 500 company or work in a research and development department or for a, an, a national intelligence agency, mm-hmm. um, then you may need that, but you wouldn't be asking me. You would be being told <laughs> yeah. by the organization you work for that these are the procedures that you need to you know, to follow. Well, so it actually goes back to the beginning of our conversation because in reality, for those organizations, mm-hmm. they would probably have given you a VPN. Right, exactly. Or in some some cases, if it's really sensitive stuff, uh, they're, they're giving you your equipment too. Right. And telling you, hey, you may have your own personal phone. You do not discuss business on your personal phone. You use this phone, you use this laptop, and that's it. And then, and usually you get training and all of that. Right. Um, so if you're, you'll fall into that category, a VPN while at home is just simply not needed. Um, now, how about when you're not at home? How about how about when you are? Let's first say you're using your phone, your mobile phone, with your mobile carrier. And again, the answer is generally no. Yeah, it's uh, well. A lot of people don't realize. I think mobile data has always been encrypted in in some form. I'm not quite sure of the details because that's not kind of my area, but. I've always been told that it's not like Wi-Fi, where the data is floating through the air uh, in unencrypted form. Um, so you kind of have some of that protection, but also, you know, you have to at some point trust that the big network that you're on is secure. And if it's not secure, VPN may not actually, uh, you know, help no, you period. very much. You probably have bigger problems. So there, my understanding um, mm-hmm. is that, as you know, there's multiple data protocols on. Yeah. Um, um, on mobile, you know, right. things like LTE, 4G, 5G, uh, 3G, all those different Gs. CDMA, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, and they all have different approaches to uh, encryption, and they all have presumably gotten progressively better. But uh, my understanding, and again, it's a reason why I can't just give a blanket no, is that it is possible to snoop on some cellular calls. It's much, much harder than it is for open Wi-Fi, right? The only equipment you need to snoop on open Wi-Fi is another laptop capable of receiving Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. With um, the mobile network, you need additional equipment. Uh, you need you know, whatever it takes to receive and then interpret, and then in some cases break the older forms of encryption that your phone may or may not be falling back to. So it is theoretically possible, but it is extremely unlikely and I will fall back to my original thing and actually your characterization that, you know, if you're working for a national inter- yeah. uh, intelligence agency, you probably need to be taking some extra steps. Exactly. Or if you're Mark Zuckerberg or you're the secretary of defense or right. something like that. Yeah. Um, now, those were, the, those were the easy ones. Now we get to the more difficult ones. You're out of the house. You're using Wi-Fi that is not yours. It's a coffee shop, it's a conference center, it's a school, um, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, first I I would break it up into for the typical average computer user. Like I would say, I I know I've had you go first, so I'm going to go out on a limb and I'll be first now and say that I, I don't think you necessarily in 2021 need to worry that much about having a VPN today because of the HTTPS, the SSL connection. It's something you can do, but if doing it is going to be difficult for you, like in other words, you don't either money-wise or 
tactical know-how wise or you know you're having trouble using it or whatever it's going to be difficult for you it's not a showstopper to not use it i tend to agree and i know that there are a couple of um uh, security experts whose um, hair is on fire. Sure. Right oh, now. of course, because their job is to be, I, I, I'm going to tell you how to be 100% secure, yep. right? Yep. So and, they don't want to hear 98% secure. And I've always been about practicality and pragmatism. Um, and I agree that um, the risk of doing what you're describing um, is actually not that bad, except, and that's again, um, I mentioned earlier, right, that that I've done my banking from Starbucks over open Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. It's been fine, right? Um, and it's not something I just did once or twice. I mean, it's one of those things that I've done from time to time. Uh, it's one of those scenarios where if you're at all unsure, sure, use a VPN. You will be safer. There is no question. Mm-hmm. But um, as you say, if you're running into problems, then you should start thinking about where am I? What is who's who's behind the internet that I'm using? Um, is it um, somebody that kind of sort of has their act together? For example, at my Starbucks, it's Google providing the Wi-Fi. Okay, mm. Google kind of has their stuff together for this. So I'm okay. Um, on the other hand, if I go down to a different coffee shop, you know, there's a a ten year old Linksys router sitting on top of a bookshelf somewhere. Okay, maybe that would be a case of you know let's let's be a little extra secure and turn the VPN back on. Um, or not so, use it. Or or not use it, right. That is that's one the of option. the other options. And that's actually a good argument uh, for those that don't want the added hassle of a VPN is that if you're carrying around a cell phone, mm-hmm. you've probably got the ability to turn it into your own personal Wi-Fi hotspot. Or just use the cell phone as the device. As I the mean, device, yeah. sure. But, you but, want to check Facebook? Check Facebook on your phone using your mobile connection. Don't use the Wi-Fi that you think is a bit sketchy. Done deal. No VPN involved. Right, right. But if you do need to use your laptop, for example, because I know there's lots of people that have been, you know, working at the coffee shops, um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, when we used to be able to do that, then, um, you know, the 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 thinking about at least think about whether or not it might make sense to use your mobile device as your own personal hotspot. Set that up with appropriate Wi-Fi encryption, WPA two or WPA three, and that way it's not an open hotspot. It's only for you. Only you know the password, and then the data is going over your private Wi-Fi connection, and then over the mobile da- over the mobile connection um, that, as we've said, is inherently more secure. Right now. Back to the the kind of the one catch that we had before was that if the router is compromised and it sends you to a fake website, mm-hmm. um, so let's say let's take Facebook as an example. Everybody can understand that, and it would be one of those big sites that would be worth doing this to. Yeah. Um, if you go to log on on your computer to Facebook, and you get directed to a fake site which you have no way of knowing, it asks you for your ID and your password. You type in your ID, you type in your password, now. Here's the point where you could be compromised. However, if you're using a VPN, then you're safe. But the other way to be safe is if you're using Facebook's two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. Because then they'll get your password, but your password is useless to them because they can't log on because they don't have that second factor. They don't have that code you're going to get on your phone or, you know, however you get it. And then they can't fake anything past that past that point, they don't really know who you are, what's on your Facebook account. So they can't show you anything past that to get you to do anything. So 
the alternative to using a VPN to protect yourself from going on a common website like Facebook or Gmail or something like that would be simply to use two-factor authentication, and then that attack fails without you having to use a VPN to prevent it. Right. I've often characterized as two-factor authentication as exactly what you've just described. Hackers can't get in even if they know your password. Yeah, that's not good enough. Some of the pushback that I get on two-factor caused me to actually write an article that's specifically titled, Any Two-Factor is Better Than No Mm -hmm. Two-Factor. As it turns out, there were a couple of uh, high visibility stories about uh, SMS two-factor potentially being hacked. Right. It's difficult. It's not impossible. It's usually done through social engineering where somebody basically tells the phone company they're you and then has the phone company transfer your number to their device. It's called uh, uh, SIM swapping. And I think there's another um, um, another for, uh, term for it that doesn't come to mind right now. But the bottom line is that, yes, sure. Let's say SMS two-factor authentication is theoretically hackable. It's still better than no two-factor at all because if you're not using two-factor, they only need your password. If you are using two-factor, then they need your password and they need your second factor, which means, and they would need to be able to spoof the SMS or do something with the SMS. So when it comes to two-factor, I needed to, (laughs) clearly, I needed to passionately throw that in there because two-factor is better than no two-factor, no matter what two-factor you're using. And also, I can't really, I can't see the situation where anybody would say, oh, I need a VPN. Oh, two-factor, no thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's like true. that's like saying I need to install a security system in my house. Oh, a deadbolt on my front door? <laughs> right. You know, it's like put the deadbolt on your front door first, right. okay, then install the security system. And then, yeah, okay, I see you having both of that, but it seems ridiculous to, you know, have the security system and not the deadbolt. It's like, why would you do that? So, so there's that. Um, so I think that kind of covers it because we've talked a lot about, obviously, if you're in a sensitive uh, industry or you're a target uh, for some reason, you know, then you're probably not taking advice from us here. And you probably already have people telling you exactly how to set your security up. Um, that's when you definitely, it's a yes. Right. But um, are- that is not the typical situation. I'm sure I've never gotten a question from somebody in that actual situation. They probably that you know of, but different. they probably couldn't tell you who they were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they so they so they knew enough not to tell me who they were, but they right. didn't know enough to know that they should ask their IT department for hey, um, it, help. It's them. the government. What do, what do you expect? I, um, I, there were a yes. couple of other issues though that I wanted to raise real yes. quick. I, I'm. I have often made the statement that your ISP can see everything you do. And that's kind of part of what we're doing here. Sometimes your ISP is a, is a coffee shop. Sometimes it's your ISP at home. Sometimes it's a hotel. They can see what you're doing unless you use a VPN. That doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't an ISP. In a sense, your VPN provider mm. is now providing you the access to the internet. So in theory, they can see everything you're doing. So again, you're not removing the need to trust somebody. You're changing who it is you trust. Yep. The other thing, and this goes back to the corporate VPN, along those same lines, um, if you are using a corporate VPN at home, then it's likely that all of your internet activity is going through that VPN, whether it's work-related or not. The implication then is that the VPN provider, who is, in this case, your internet service provider, 
can see everything you do. It may not be the wisest thing to do all of your illicit surfing using the same <laughs> connection that's being provided by your business, your company. Mm -hmm. um, so just be aware that when you are using somebody else's VPN, like that provided by your company or your institution or whatever, um, that gives them a level of access into what you're up to uh, uh, that you may not necessarily think of right away. Or it, could, it doesn't have to be illicit. It could simply be your job hunting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, depending <laughs> on the company, they could consider that illicit, but yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, so, who, who, okay. So that given all that, we've basically said you probably don't need VPN, but uh, you being you and me being me, we do actually pay somebody for VPN. I occasionally use it. I mean, 2020, mm -hmm. of course, not much at all because I was right. in the house most of the time. But right. um, but who who do you give your money to for the times you do want to use a VPN? So um, I actually, right now, I have two services, although I'm in the process of letting one go. Um, I've been using TunnelBear for a couple of years now. Okay, yeah. And uh, they've got you know lots of points of presence, uh, lots of places, different countries, that kind of stuff. Um, they have a free tier, but again, I strongly advise against all free tiers simply because um, you're going to be restricted. You're going to be hamstrung somehow. Um, so Tunnel Bears worked really, really well for me. Late last year, um, I signed up for Proton Mail. And in fact, I bought one of their bigger packages because I really like what they're doing and I wanted to support what they were up to. They're the um, encrypted email provider out of Switzerland. They also have Proton VPN. And that is was part of the package, basically, when I signed up for uh, uh, the paid Proton Mail account. So I've switched to using that when I, uh, when I need a VPN. And it too has lots of good points of presence, lots of good you know, exit nodes. Um, it's, um, it's been solid for me the few times that I've used it. Cool. I, I, I've gone between VPNs over the years, mm -hmm. uh, without really worrying too much about like, you know, this, which is the absolute best. Right. A lot of times since I'm on Macs, um, I, I try to look for who's got the best Mac client, but he can't really tell. So in the past, I've used all sorts of different ones. I used Nord VPN in the past. I've used, um, Encrypt, Encrypt Me, I think is what it's called, but it was mm -hmm. called something else. Before that, uh, maybe one or two other services. Currently, you know, it, it's where the, sometimes where the deals are, right? You'll hear about a deal, right? Like, oh, three years or, you know, three years for this amount of money. And you'd be like, hey, my VPN expires, you know, my service expires in a few months. Let me grab that. Um, especially if a, if a friend is already using it and recommends it, then I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, there's a recommendation there. So I've been using one called private internet access, which was recommended by a friend. Mm -hmm. And I looked into it and I was like, Hey, they have a really good Mac client, you know, works really well. It's really nice how it's in the menu bar, that kind of thing. It's very Mac like. So I went with them and it was one of those deals where it was like three years for, you know, some amount of money. So, um, it, that was easy. And I also liked the fact that the acronym that they use PIA yes. actually stands for something else, uh, <laughs> which I, I, you know, I haven't gotten to travel too much in the last year. Uh, but I figure the next time I'm traveling and I'm having trouble using VPN in a hotel because of sketchy Wi-Fi, I can at least chuckle over the fact that I'm using a PIA uh, VPN. Yes. <laughs> now, so, but so far it's is you know, the times I've tested it and the few times I've used it when I've been at a coffee shop type of situation, um, it's worked fine. So I do want to throw out a couple of really important caveats here. As Gary mentioned at the beginning of all this, 
um, we are security experts, lowercase. In other words, yeah. we're not really security experts by any formal definition of the term. We're general um, computer experts. We're yes, yes, we're general. Capital G for general. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what that means, though, is that everything we're looking at is for the common case, born out of pragmatic for the pragmatic usage for the average user. Mm. That being said, um, there are some resources out on the internet. I remember a couple of years ago when I was evaluating some of the uh, VPNs available at the time. There are some great tables that take a look at the various VPN services, and there are way more of them than you would think. That um, and and basically codified which of the quote-unquote important features they had. In other words, did they support this version of SSL? Did they Do they keep logs, which is something we haven't talked about at all? Do they have points of presence elsewhere? Do they Are they in a country that could be subject to um, uh, court orders or subpoenas? All that kind of stuff. Um, if you are seriously considering a VPN and your usage is something other than what I would call casual, like ours tends to be, um, you definitely will want to um, uh, do a little bit more research than the overview we've given you here, but hopefully we've at least given you a few things to, uh, to hang your hat on and to ask some intelligent questions about. Right, and to think about. And, um, and yeah, and, and certainly if you do have an IT department involved <laughs> in your computing, you know, a company school, well, maybe not so much a school. Well, school if you're a teacher, probably. Yep. Yep. not so much a student, uh, then you should take their advice uh, for any uh, machine that you're using for official purposes. Um, and, you know, because if the company has a policy that, hey, if you use our computers for, you know, uh, for any work involved, that you have to be on a VPN uh, when you're on the internet, then you have, then you follow their policy. Right. You know, so you don't want to get in, get in trouble there with the person that pays your bills. Very cool. Um, so cool. So I think that that kind of that's a nice overview. I think that'll be helpful. It's, it's good overview. Good. That was my intention here. Yep. So let's let's move on to just some ain't it cool stuff. Yep. Yep. Well, let's start with yours, and then we'll get yeah. geeky again. <laughs> Nothing big. I you know I used to play Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, or, you know, way back in the old days of Dungeons and Dragons, and I miss it sometimes. I really do. Uh, you know, sometimes I think about joining a, an adult Dungeons and Dragons group. Mm -hmm. The last year has not been a great time to start something like that. Right. Um, but maybe one day I will. Uh, in the meantime, there's always computer-based Dungeons & Dragons stuff. And I tend to want to play single-player stuff. I don't want to have to wait for other people. So I look for role-playing games of that style, Dungeons mm -hmm. & Dragons style ones. And I've been playing a good one that's been around for a few years. But it's turning out to be a great experience. It's The long title is Divinity, colon, Original Sin, Two, <laughs> I don't know if there was an original said one or whatever, but the game is really highly thought of it. It's a, you feel very much like you're in a pencil and paper game, but with great graphics and story and all of that, but you could, you could do things, you know, you could go around and say, I don't want to fight here. I want to sneak around and find another solution right. to this, steal this thing or cast a spell and do something, you know, it's not, you're just on, on rails going through an adventure. Um, it's a, it's a pretty pretty cool uh role-playing game so and it's i think it's like on so many different platforms i'm playing it on mac but it's uh, obviously on a pc and i think a bunch of different uh gaming consoles awesome awesome mm -hmm. um to get really geeky it's funny a couple of days ago i just had one of those those 
wild thoughts that, you know, I should learn more about AWS, Amazon Web Services. And and honestly, that's a really another topic for another day. We could spend another hour talking about AWS and, and um, how a bookstore is powering like a quarter of the internet. But um, uh, I just decided to, to fire up a load balanced server. It's something that someday I hope to need. <laughs> I have enough traffic. Um, and in fact, if I ever need to move my server again, I'll probably move it to an AWS server. Um, but yeah, you know, just plug and play. You, you say, okay, fire up two, uh, two Linux servers, uh, put this load balancer in front of them, uh, connect them up to a database, and oh, by the way, install WordPress. And like it was less than an hour, I had all of that working with the WordPress site. I was actually, I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, AWS is notoriously, um, what's the word, arcane. It's extremely difficult to get your brain around at times. Uh, which is why I was taking it as a bit of a challenge, but um, but I had fun with it. For folks that are you know for the for the geeks in our audience who are really interested in in you know getting hands on with technology, firing up servers, doing doing their own cloud stuff, um, dip your toes into that one. Um, start with LightSail. That's where I ended up starting. Uh, that's what made this particular process pretty easy. But they have a number of services available at AWS. Like I said, we should uh, we should talk about it sometime. And, uh, and let people know why it's there. Cool. Uh, so w- what uh, new have you come out with at Ask Leo that uh, is interesting? So the article that I'd like to point people at is something that I wish more people understood. It's why password managers are safer than the alternatives. It's askleo.com slash 5555. The issue is that people are concerned that if I put all my passwords in a password manager, doesn't that mean I'm putting all my eggs in one basket? And if that ever gets compromised, what do I do? Yada, yada. And the short answer is, yep, you're absolutely right. Um, It is one basket. It's just a really, really, really good basket. Um, And the chances of something actually happening to it are significantly less than all of the various alternatives that I have heard people suggest as ways to deal with managing their passwords. Um, Using a password manager enables so much better security that um, I just, I can't recommend it highly enough even to those folks that um, uh, uh, are naysayers. Now, I will say that there are definitely choices within the password vault, password manager area. Do you want one stored online? Do you want one stored offline? Do you like this company or that company, that kind of stuff? That's great. Those are wonderful decisions. Make sure you're using what we would call a reputable known brand and you should be fine. But look at it. Look at using a password manager. How I about agree. you, Gary? Yeah, well, I, I, I just want to say I agree with the password managers. And maybe we want, might want to consider doing a, a whole episode on that topic There's a at topic some point yeah. as well. Hmm. Um, maybe people can tell us whether they like this kind of format about us addressing a topic like this. We'll have to ask our listener to get yeah. back to us. Yeah, yeah, get back. Um, <laughs> I want to point out a video I did uh, in the last week that's uh, out of character for me. Instead of showing people how to do something, get something done, I decided to create a little uh, pitching session. Um, I came up with a list. I keep a list of things I would love to see in Apple software. You know, th- new features for different devices and stuff, but I narrowed it down to just stuff on the Mac that, you know, Apple could add this feature to this app and this feature to that app and improve this. And the list got long enough that I decided to actually make an episode where I talk about each thing. 
and say, I love it if Apple would do this and do that. And then ask people in, you know, for comments uh, about things that they would like to see or things that they would want to point out that they that I mentioned that they'd also like to see. A little bit something different, you know, not as useful because I'm talking about things that you can't do rather than things that you can. Um but it's uh, but you know, it's a nice break from my normal, Make- uh, my normal episode. And of course, there are tons of comments because uh, that's kind of it's kind of a participatory sure. kind of thing. Sure. Make sure that when you share that on social, you uh, you tag Apple. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> it, it is. You know, people are saying, "Well, do, are you sending these to Apple?" Said, like, "Well, I don't have any way to send them to Apple except the same way you do." Um, but uh, it has made me think about like, how do I actually, uh, or, or am I? actually well-known enough that somebody in Apple has taken note of my video. Right. Uh, or does that really matter? Do they really it's, care? It's weird. I have that with Microsoft all the time, especially since I used to work there. And people believe I have more contacts than I do. Yeah. And yet, as it turns out, there are people that know me in the company that surprise me. Right. So there are probably people at Apple that know you, that know of you, that probably even read you or watch you regularly. Um, whether or not they're the right people is the case is, is what matters, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, hey, if I am big enough to have an influence, then somebody there is paying attention. And if I'm not big enough to have an influence, then probably submitting this to Apple feedback isn't going to make any difference. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No harm, there's no harm in submitting no, it. We'll put it no harm. Way. But I do like your idea of, of tagging, of perhaps uh, uh, doing another tweet, maybe, and saying, you know, check out this video, and then tagging Apple in it yeah. to see whether or not that that helps in any way. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Apple does social media pretty well. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody got back to you. Um, it might be a case, you know, the, the classic case of thank you for your opinion, which you know is the the very polite way of saying. Uh, you know, we threw it in the garbage can, but, um, but nonetheless, it's something. Right. Exactly. So I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Indeed. The show notes are at tehpodcast.com slash teh125. If you've got a comment or a question or a suggestion for something we should be spending an entire episode tech talking about, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at the teh podcast, or leave a comment on the show notes page. As always, thank you for listening, and we will see you here again next week. Take care. Bye.